Welcome in to the newest episode of the Hot Hangout Podcast. We've got a fun one planned today in honor of the 46th anniversary of the release of A New Hope. We're going to be uh, talking about the film, breaking it down, kind of giving some insights after our current uh, or our most recent rewatch of it, both Joey and I. But before we get into all of that, remember to uh, check us out over on the, the socials and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well if you want to check out the video version of the podcast. And uh, if you're an audio podcast listener, we are available everywhere. Podcasts can be found, including Spotify, Apple, and everywhere else in the podcast universe. Thanks for checking those out and uh, hope you're having a fantastic day. Joey, how about you, man? What's new? How you doing? I'm doing well. We had my... Uh daughter's birthday over the weekend and we had all the family and friends over it was a ton of fun and i'm kind of still riding that high of uh the excitement there although my daughter got sick so now we were <laughs> we're trying to you know uh it was a little bit too much fun for her i think so but we uh no it was a, it was a good week um but we are back here discussing our favorite topic the star wars the star wars you mean uh uh the journey of luke star killer as told from the journal of the wills saga one right i probably butchered that original title <laughs> thanks everyone um, i gotta go <laughs> yes that that's exactly right yeah well uh yeah as i said we're gonna be talking some new hope did you, actually fun facts sorry not to hop right into the fun facts because I, to, I told joey before we started recording i had some fun facts did you know star wars episode four was not actually referred to as a new hope until four years after it was re originally released. I didn't realize it was four years. Wow. I think it was 1981 was the first time it was branded uh, as something other than the Star Wars. Oh, good to know. That's good trivia knowledge for later. Oh, yes. We're going to have a fun trivia <laughs> announcement on today's <laughs> podcast, too. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, a couple quick notes in the world of Star Wars in terms of news and everything going on. A couple things. One thing, actually, two things kind of sad. One thing really sad and one thing kind of sad. The first is the kind of sad one. Um, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, a, a hotel, apparently. Am I right, Joey? Yeah, uh, it was, it was basically World? like it was basically like a, this immersive experience that uh, that you were able to stay a couple of nights uh, on the Galactic Star Cruiser. All of the staff was dressed up as Star Wars characters. And there was basically storylines that you can kind of follow throughout uh, the couple of nights there. Uh, I didn't really ever obviously ever go on it because it was super expensive. It was like thousands of dollars to stay for two nights. Wow. And um, sounds like that that was the reason why they ended up not that it, it didn't do as well. I forget. I want to say it's been only a year, maybe a little bit more than a year that it was released. Um, that people were starting to be able to to uh, to buy reservations, um, but yeah, it seems it seemed to have flopped pretty hard. Uh, I think I think the uh, I think the price tag was the the reason why. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I saw this news like two days ago or whenever it came out, and I didn't even know that this was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the part of me that never got to go to this place was like, well. Dang, I didn't even get to experience it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, apparently, not many people experience it. So you're, yeah, you're, it's probably there's isn't many. I'm in the there's I'm many. in the majority on that point. So that's right. That's yeah. Awesome. By the way, I've never been to Galaxy's Edge either. That's somewhere oh. I, I need to go. Oh, we need to we need to schedule that and just write that off. But that's an expense. For Live sure. podcast. Yeah, from yeah, Galaxy's like Edge <laughs> on on one of the rides. That's right. 
Um, so yeah, kind of a sad note there. Uh, one of the, I guess probably if I had to guess, largest Star Wars attractions in the country being shut down. Yeah. Uh, we're sad to see it go, but maybe I'll have to you know, check out some videos or something, see what it was like. Uh, but yeah, for for what they were charging, people were not missing out on as much as we thought. <laughs> right. Um, and then moving on to our other really sad piece of information, uh, Ray Stevenson, one of the actors in the upcoming Ahsoka series, passed away recently. I think this was two days ago at the time of this recording. Does that sound right? It sounds about right. Um, yeah. Only only 58 years old. So yeah. really, really young. Um, still no details or uh, anything released in regards to what his cause of death was or anything like that. But um, as a member of the Star Wars universe and you know, just more generally as a human being in, in general, uh, really sad to see someone go uh, kind of at a relatively you know earlier age. And so there's almost going to be this sort of underlying sadder tone, I would imagine, when Ahsoka does come out later this year, um, with the knowledge, of course, that, that he won't, he's not with us anymore. But it'll be, it'll be neat, I guess, to experience what I would assume is his last performance uh, immortalized in this character that he plays in the show known as Balin Skull, who I think, if I remember correctly from the press releases, is, I don't know if he's like a Sith. I think he's more like a Dark Jedi. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, RIPs in, in chat, if you're watching the, yeah. the YouTube version of the podcast, uh, really sad to see someone go that young. Yeah, and I think he was in some Marvel um, shows as well. I think he was... The Punisher in an earlier oh, uh, really? movie of uh, The Punisher, yeah. Oh. And I, he was also in Thor. He was one of Thor's homies uh, on uh, on Asgard there. So he, uh, he's he been around. He's He's been around for a long time. So it's it's pretty sad to see anyone to go. But, you know, somebody, um, especially in the Star Wars universe uh, that, you know, we haven't gotten to know his character yet, but... Uh, you, you could see the the reactions throughout Star Wars Instagram. Um, you know, uh, Rosario Dawson posted something about him, uh, and it was just very sad. It's always very sad to hear of a passing, but uh, yeah, like you said, he will be immortalized in his role in Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah, kind of a, a somber tone with the show now, but um, it's it's you know, obviously we're looking forward to this show, uh, kind of on a. I don't know if this is like too touchy of a note, but I'm curious kind of how that impacts the show. Of course, um, yeah. Or, or you know, I obviously don't know how season one of the show is going to end, but like um, if, if his character was alive at the end of season one, kind of how that will play into the rest of the show. But obviously the mo more important thing is uh, just sending some love to his family. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, just thinking about the Star Wars community as a whole as we we lost one of our our newest characters in the in the star wars world recently so uh again rips and and uh all, all the best to all the you star wars fans out there and especially to ray stevenson's family um but yeah and that kind of includes some of our smaller news points something we also did want to touch on kind of on a much happier note um is that may is actually asian american and pacific islander heritage month and uh, not only that, we have lots of Asian American and Pacific Islands Islander, excuse me, representation in Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and and Joey, I think you in particular uh, have a few that you wanted to mention and shout out during this segment. Oh, for sure. I mean, let me just start in saying that you know, first off, Happy Asian American <laughs> and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, everybody. 
Um, me as an Asian American, it's always been very important to celebrate the culture, not only for for us, but you know, for any any culture that out there to have a full month to celebrate is uh, wonderful. And of course, Star Wars does have their uh, their a good amount of Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders that uh, were in shows and in movies. I just wanted to point out and just say thank you for being that representation. It's been always a, it's always been a dream to see Asians on the screen for for me, just in general. But to have it happen, um, to have it happen in Star Wars is even all all the better. So I do enjoy uh, seeing them there. Um, but just to mention a couple here, uh, we got Tamara Morrison, who, as you know, played Jango Fett. Um, in the original, in, in the uh, not the original, the uh, prequels, um, also plays Boba Fett in obviously the Boba Fett um, show here. Uh, that Dang, we look, just how, had. look how young he looks in that. Like, super young, yeah. Because yeah. this is probably what when when did uh, Attack of the Clones come out? Was that two thousand and two? I believe two thousand and two. Look how look yeah. how young he was twenty years ago. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, also, Daniel Logan, um, who played young Boba Fett uh has uh the, the the two of them are from New Zealand but they come from a Maori ancestry which is a Pacific Islander of heritage so that's kind of how they fit in there so obviously those are uh two big names that you've you've definitely seen but maybe never even realized would be a part of AAPI um next big one a lot of people know Donnie Yen for all of the uh martial artist movies that he's been in uh, but of course, in Rogue One, he was Tyrion Imwe. Um, kind of the, I don't know if he would call him a Jedi, but definitely a Force user. Uh, he was able to kind of manipulate the Force a little bit there. And to see him out there, along with Xiang uh, Wen, who played Lady Malbus, um, the two of them, uh, Danian and Yang Wen, uh, were kind of the, the homies, the, the, the two that worked together. Um, kind of at the start of this film. And if you haven't seen the um the out not the outtakes, but the extra features on Rogue One, there was a a very touching interview with with the the actor that plays Baze Malibus here, how uh important it was that his family had seen an Asian in Star Wars as well. So if you haven't watched that, you should go back and watch that. Um also in Rogue One was Riz Ahmed. Uh, who is the who is his name? His character's name was Bodhi Rook. He was the pilot that was uh, who had defected from the Empire and played played a pretty pivotal role. All these, all three of these, actually played pretty p- p- pivotal roles in this movie. Um, maybe that's some trivia for later. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but but they uh, yeah they played huge huge roles in you know uh, the movie itself and. This very much being an ensemble type of movie, it was very cool to see um, them playing these pivotal roles in the Star Wars for me. Um, to move on to some like voice acting, something a little bit different, but also within Star Wars, one of my favorite characters, Sabine Wren, was voiced by Tia Sakar, who is super cool, by the way. I met her at um, Star Wars Celebration for a little bit. I didn't and she's know like, you met her. Yeah, just like real quick, there was... It was at like a, I think it was at a bar or something. It wasn't even like at celebration, but she was just like she was just super sweet. So she was just a nice person. But yeah, so Tia Sakar, she played Sabine, one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars, who will be 
also on uh, the big screen as well with uh, in Ahsoka. Uh, and also uh, Janina Gavankar. Uh, she was Aiden Versio in the Battlefront 2 uh, video game. Uh, she and they even uh, her the character Aiden was actually modeled after her, as you could see here. Um, so yeah, it was very cool to see her as well as not only an Asian American but a woman being you know a very strong lead character in the video game, which was very very cool. Uh, of course, we move on to Kelly Marie Tran, who was Rose Tico um, in the sequel trilogy. Of course, we we know. If you didn't watch last week's episode, <laughs> we feel that you know there. We feel like she could have been utilized a little bit better. Um, her storyline could have been better, but she did represent the Asians there. I will say, I think that is a hundred. Like when I watched both eight and nine, the sequel films originally, I I think I was probably mistakenly part of the crew that was overly critical of her because mm-hmm. having rewatched both of those re, uh recently as Joey said in our last week podcast we covered you know our our kind of reviews of the sequels i think that's 100% the writer's fault i don't mm-hmm. i don't think her role was was that bad in episode 8 what makes her character frustrating to me is is in episode 9 they're like all right we're not going to use you anymore right, like as yeah. a character so and i think a, that's all on the writers yeah. i think right i agree and on the side notes, yeah, so when when episode eight had come out, and unfortunately there was some backlash against her role, um, but, um, you know, her being one of the only Asian Americans that were on the film, it kind of took, it kind of felt personal to, like, our community, you know, um, that just, like, what, why are you bashing after her, you know? But what uh, kind of a nice moment beca- that came out of that was at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago in 2019 when they gave the they they showed the trailer of episode nine and Kelly Marie Tran was there um on the panel when she entered the room there was a standing ovation for her because of the Star Wars fans knew yeah. how much backlash she got from it and I'm not even kidding there was like probably a minute two minutes of just straight up cheering for Kelly Marie Tran so it was a very cool moment um, I, I awesome. do have the video. I do have the video of that somewhere. I'll have to show you at some point. But well, I think also as like Star Wars fans, we collectively realize the detriment that like those negative, uh, you know, feelings and opinions can have on like the actors. I mean, look at yes. look at Ahmad Best and Jake Lloyd. I mean, right. Ahmad Best is was one example of you know coming out on one side of it, and I think Jake Lloyd is another example of coming out on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. But well, you could, you'd even argue at Hayden Christensen. Christensen as well. Yeah, Hayden Christensen is a good example too. I mean, there's tons of, you know, originally original trilogy fans who when the prequels came out, they were like I mean, especially Attack of the Clones and, and Revenge of the Sith were like not about Hayden at all. So mm-hmm. I you know, it, it's important I think to remember that these actors are like not just like these amorphous ideas of people. They're like actual right. human beings and, you know, Right, they're affected by these negative comments that any of the same way anyone else would be. So uh, right. that that's a really cool story. You'll have to show me that video sometime. Yeah. I'll definitely show uh, you the video. But yeah, just to 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 see that and to and because you know at, at first when it happened when she was kind of getting that backlash, you're just like, why? This is you know this is a like you said, it's a person. There's there's no need for this to be like this. But yeah. um, for for Star Wars fans to kind of be on her, you know, 
support her at the end of it at the celebration was very cool. So I'll, I'll definitely show that to you. Check us yeah. out on uh, Instagram. Maybe we can post the oh, video over point, there. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. At Hoth Hangout. <laughs> uh, we move on now to some of the more recent ones. Uh, Fennec Shand, played by Ming Na Wen, which was a huge one. Ming Na Wen has been an actress for a very long time in Hollywood. Uh, for her to finally come to Star Wars, Wars was a huge thing for me. I watched her back way back in Joy Luck Club, so to see her here uh, was to was a very great. Um, great moment for for uh, another asian american to play a strong strong role uh you know she came in uh i think mandalorian was the first time we had seen fennec shand and she ends up also in the book of boba fett as well as uh was it bad batch i think she even voiced bad batch mm-hmm. so yeah she's she's been all around <laughs> star wars which is incredible and one of my favorite ones that has come as recently was uh, captain carson tiva uh, played by Paul Sun Hyung Lee, uh, I had watched him in Kim's Convenience on uh, from the BBC, and uh, to to see him make it to Star Wars was just a huge role, huge thing for me because he's he's uh if you haven't watched Kim's Convenience, he is a great Korean Can- Canadian Korean uh, family uh, store owner, and uh, just a great just a great show all overall and great actor. So to see him here, I was just so happy to see it. So. Um, you can see it like the smile on my face. I'm just so happy to see him in Star Wars and even more so now, like um he's been showing up a little bit more here and there in Mandalorian. So hopefully hopefully he gets his own series. I, that'd be super awesome. Well, that'd be neat. Um yeah. Um but these are all in front of the camera. Behind the camera, we finally got one uh really big one, Deborah Chow. That she directed um a couple of episodes from Mandalorian as well as the the Kenobi series. So not only in front of the camera, we're now behind the camera as well. Um, but uh, just to see to see her is you know she is actually Canadian as well, if I'm not mistaken. But she's you know we as Asians we always represent every single Asian. So so um, not just Asian American, Asian Canadians, and you know everywhere else. So just super happy to see her behind the behind the camera, giving her vision having her input into all of the uh the shows and now and all that so uh, hopefully she comes back for maybe another series we'll see uh but they seem to cycle the same directors around everywhere mandalorian book of boba fett you know so and or hopefully we'll uh see her again in star wars directing but yeah that's aapi heritage month and i'm just so happy that star wars is here and we are able to in a place where we could uh really have wide diversity including the asian americans pacific islanders definitely yeah and uh down in the the comments if you're watching the video version of the podcast hashtag aaip aapi aapi what did i say you said ip (laughs) dang it (laughs) (laughs) there are four letters come on there's four letters come on (laughs) hashtag aapi in in the in the comments of of the uh video version of the podcast uh but again joey i i really appreciate you sharing um you know some of those those members of the asian american and pacific islander community and then um i think i had to pick a favorite of all the ones you mentioned yeah it was really tough i think it's really hard for me not to pick tamora morrison just because he feels like an obvious pick so maybe excluding him 
I would probably go. I loved Ming Na Wen, honestly. Um, yeah. I, I want to see more of Finnick. She, oh, she yeah, is absolutely. such a fun character for Star Wars. And uh, mm-hmm. anyways, I hope we get more of her in the future. I think my mine would be it, mine's going to be a tie. It's a duo between uh, Chirut and Baze. So Donnie Yen and Yen, and Jang Wen. Donnie Yen's from not to pick yeah. Two, yeah. Uh, because the, those two had such a great dynamic together in Rogue One, um, I would love to see some type of, you know, pre-story of Rogue One between them. Maybe we see them in the end of Andor, a season two. I don't Ooh, know. You know, neat. maybe, maybe just kind of like in the offset or something like that. I'd love that. But um, yeah, that's that's who would get my vote. Nice. By the way, side note: Did you ever see Ip Man? Yes. <laughs> This is very good. My favorite Donnie Yen movie. (laughs) So good. Uh, Well, again, happy Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And uh, if you're watching the video, the version of the podcast, hashtag A-A-P-I down in the comments. (laughs) Um, And so now kind of moving on to our main course for this podcast episode. Uh, We had the opportunity recently, both of us, to um, (laughs) rewatch episode four. A New Hope, which is probably something collectively that the both of us have seen. I think it's not much of an exaggeration to say probably over a hundred times. Uh, do you think that's probably fair to say, Joey? Well, so here's the funny thing. I'm, I was thinking when I was rewatching it, I was trying to remember how many times I've actually probably watched it. Just like a, a ballpark, par, ballpark number. Mm-hmm. Ironically enough, it's probably out of the trilogy, probably the least I've watched. Oh really? Yeah, probably the least I watched. Um, and I, you know, because it's been out the longest, you would think that would be like the one you've seen the most. Um, but I've definitely probably seen Empire and Return of Jedi more than um, I can't. I can't necessarily give you a better like a number or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I probably in the 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 thirties to forties, I probably have seen seen this movie. But like I said, not as much as I've seen Return of Jedi or Empire. I know Empire is probably the one that I've seen the most. I think I've probably seen New Hope more than Re- Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. if I had to guess. But they're all like, you know, pretty close, pretty equal. Because I think most of the time when you watch episode four, you end up watching episode five oh, and episode yeah. six. So, you know, right. I-, I don't know what that number is, but again, it's probably pretty high up there. Um, did you want to have any opening thoughts before we sort of just dive into our rewatches and how they went? No, yeah, let's just, let's just get into it. What was your? Uh, this is a question I have for you. What was your mindset going into this? Because I think this is uh, a recent a rewatch of kind of a series of rewatches that you and I have been doing. Like we recently, you know, did the sequel mm-hmm. films. I, I think what I learned from rewatching those is, I guess it's a little bit different because I've seen those obviously way less than I've seen this movie, but especially going into a movie that you've seen as many times as we've seen a new hope. I was like, okay, how can I come at this in a way where I'll take something away from it? Yes. But I haven't ever taken away from it. Right, and so right. I was trying to like really think about certain scenarios. And, mm-hmm. and I think the way that that often uh, manifested itself was that when something would happen, I would think about how that affected stuff outside of the original trilogy if mm-hmm. that makes sense and i have a few examples i guess that we can get into later but that's sort of the mindset I, or the way i was approaching it i was kind of doing it the opposite way where mm-hmm. 
I was taking information that I've learned since then and kind of and putting them right. inside into um like things like the the sand people for instance how yeah. going like going into this you know when you first watch it they're like these kind of like bad guys but now that we've seen the other side with um wasn't in Mandalorian I think we had seen um him uh, interact with some sand people Book of Boba wasn't it episode was one it of Book of Boba, Boba? Fett was it, I think or it was... maybe it was Book of Boba yeah I'm sorry that's, yeah. you're right yeah 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 so you've kind of seen like the other side the softer side of the sand people so um just kind of having that like where where it it, it makes it more interesting you know because you're just like well <laughs> you know they're not all bad you know so yeah. I think it's it's just an inner it's just an interesting thought process you have to go through now watching these sure. these older movies. Even in legend stuff, I'm pretty sure there's a like a Tuscan Raider Jedi. Mm, pretty cool. Maybe we'll get to see that one day too on the big screen. We'll see. Um, another fun fact I had for you, kind of to jump into the movie itself, mm-hmm. was had to do with the opening crawl. Okay. First of all, the crawl comes down. You're like, Ba-da-ba! and it's like, oh my gosh, John Williams hit me right in the soul. Yes. Um, did you, okay? So the song itself, did you think it sounds? On these older movies, there's almost, I don't have a word for the quality that I'm looking for of the music, but as best as I can describe it, like a brassiness mm. to the music that yeah. doesn't exist with digital sound, like you can kind of hear it in it. It's like, ooh, ooh, like, right. It, it feels a little bit rougher, but in a good way. I thought I remember hearing that they were mixed differently the way that they were they were like mastered over the years they mm-hmm. were just mastered differently so bringing out those brass instruments a little bit more or things like that so um yeah i wouldn't be surprised i'll now I'll have to go back again i guess i can go back again and listen to it okay other fun fact this is the big fun fact about the opening crawl that i had for you did you know in the original New Hope, and I don't know if this is still maintained in the one that's currently watchable on Disney Plus or not, but in the original New Hope, there is zero special effects done on that opening crawl. Oh, and, no, I didn't know that. All it is is the words are stationary, the background is stagnant, or the background is stagnant, and the camera is panning oh, at, a, at an angle as it passes the words. I vaguely remember seeing like, footage or something like that that's that's wild yeah so this is another thing i should say as i was doing my rewatch i was like looking up fun facts as stuff would come on the screen and i'm like oh that's awesome that's really cool you know so i was learning stuff as i was watching too um i think i said this earlier but the film was just titled star wars when it was released until Mm -hmm. it's re-released after empire strikes back a whole year after actually uh, empire Mm -hmm. strikes back came out um, any any other notes on the opening crawl before we kind of move on from there? No, not really. Yeah, I, I did not get into that much detail with the opening crawl. You want me to read the whole thing? It is a period of civil war. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of the iconic opening scene where um, Vader is boarding Tantive Four, and even before you see Vader, or before you, I think it may even be before you see Leia too, there's these soldiers with these funky looking white hats you're like who are those dudes and then like the stormtroopers who end up boarding as well i I think what's also interesting about that in particular is a note that i made is that there's an immediate dichotomy of good and evil 
Mm, mm-hmm. uh, because you just look at a stormtrooper, you're like, okay, that's a bad guy. And then you look at the rebel right. and you're like, all right, you can see his face. That's a good guy. There's right. very clear intention from the start to make the empire out to be yeah, the yeah. bad guys in this, in this movie. Well, yeah. And especially with the stormtroopers, I mean, they've got like this full gear, this full armor, mm-hmm. uh, and you can't see their faces and it makes them much more, you know, you could, you could separate yourself from them a little bit more where the other side of it, you just, you, I mean, you, you actually don't know if they're humans, you know, when you even start, um, if you ever like first started, you have no idea. And then you have the rebel side, which is, you know, obviously a bunch of humans who have the big goofy looking <laughs> helmets on. And, uh, and as I watch this, the, the movie, there are the, there are just like moments where I'm like, yes, this was absolutely shot in the seventies. Like you see some of the hairstyles, just kind of the look for, of some of these people. And so I always wonder how it would be if somebody who had never seen Star Wars would would have watched New Hope and see, like, could they get past the fact that, okay, this is clearly in the 70s, you know? Uh, I think you and I and a lot of Star Wars fans give, give, like, give a little bit of slack because you're just like, well, I know what the story is about. I'm going to focus on the story. But there may be some people that are just like, I cannot get past these people's hair. You know, there's something like that, you know? So shout out I, to that I, one person out there who gets it <laughs> on the hair, right? Exactly. So I, I think it's just uh, but you know, uh, going into it, I, I wanted to try to like view it from that you know lens. Like, what if I were just watching that? I think the the thing that came out to you know that I noticed first was right after like all of this, the everything that happened on Tanti Four, there was a huge like a ten minute section of just droids. <laughs> it was just. C-3PO and R2 mm-hmm. uh, going through the desert and uh, they separated for a little bit and they they got captured by Jawas and you know like it was just like this whole like segment and it was like 10 minutes long and I, I was thinking like if it were created around now they would cut that like way shorter you know because yeah. for for timing for for the movement of the movie because i'm i was even i was just like sitting there like can we like hurry this up because i i know eventually you get to luke let's get the luke already you know i actually made a note of that scene when i was watching i i wrote that i have a new appreciation for why they end up on tatooine sure uh, because i think i think if you have never seen any Star Wars besides this movie, and this is your first time ever watching Star Wars, you're like, oh, they just ended up on some random sand planet, and it's like, mm-hmm. I guess R2 like has to go on this mission now, he thinks, and he's looking for someone you're not really sure he's looking for. But I I I don't know why, but in every time I've ever watched episode four, I think I've just always kind of taken for granted that they're just bound by Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, when actually there's a lot of intentionality on the side of R2 to get to the point where Luke can find him and that eventually he can, you know, Obi-Wan right, yeah. receive the message that Leia has sent him to do. I got into a rabbit hole sort of when I was, you know, researching this part of the movie, <laughs> like on the on the anthropomorphic nature of R2 and whether R2... I even read an article on, like, is R2 Force-sensitive? I was... Oh. I was deep in the... Uh, in That's the a rabbit hole. hole. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing that I think is curious about this scene, which you would have absolutely no clue if you'd never seen the prequels, uh, is that uh, C-3PO's memory gets wiped 
and R2s doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And right. so, you know, when they when C3PO sees Obi-Wan, he's like, who's this dude? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But presumably R2 obviously knows who this is the whole time. Right, right. He spent years and years with him. Which also begs the question, why does it seem like Obi-Wan doesn't really know who R2 is? But, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh that anyways, I guess that's a little bit beside the point. But but what I really took away was a new appreciation for the intentionality on why they're on Tatooine. Mm-hmm. What also wasn't clear to me was how I, so this is something I never thought about. How close was the Tantive Four to Tatooine when they launched the escape pod? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was a kind of a a picky point that I had. Uh, right, yeah, that I had noted. But it, like you said, they eventually, you know, after splitting up, getting captured, end up reunited, and and Luke, uh, mm-hmm. you know, takes both of them off the hands of the Jawas, and eventually they. Uh, meet up with old Ben Kenobi, who's definitely not Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, Can't be the same person. Can, can we can we talk about how he could have t- picked any name <laughs> to like be the, his <laughs> cover? But not only did he just say instead of Obi Wan, he just said Ben. He kept Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he could have like, been like Greg Smith. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could have done absolutely anything else. Um, obviously, you wanted to be hidden from the Empire. But you're gonna keep your last name, and then just, instead of saying Obi Wan, just Ben. I mean, listen, I we we could have we this could have been you could have been less you could have been more hidden at this time, but it's fine. Uh, we needed we needed to know. Luckily, Luke Luke had the mindset to be like, you know what? Bet you know he knows old Ben Kenobi. He's a little bit of a hermit, but maybe we know maybe he knows him. If maybe they're family members. Name. You think they know each other? Yeah. Uh, another interesting thing that happens with him shortly after we actually right as we meet him in the movie uh, is he is that really weird sound that as yes. the Tuscan Raiders. What is that? So I looked it up because I've always been curious. And I don't know if this is like a not a retcon, but I don't think this was canon when these movies came out. OK, maybe it was. But it, this feels like something that has been retroactively placed as an explanation for it. Um so it's it's meant to be the mimicking of the sound of a crate dragon. Oh, okay. And, and, is, and that's why they got scared away. Right, exactly. Oh. And this is also one of the first changes in the movie that is different from the original version. Right. Because there's a cool YouTube video. You can look it up. It's like a 30-second mm. video. Um, it's the sound of the crate dragon from the original 77 release. And then at some point during one of the remasters, they changed the sound. Uh-huh. And the original one actually sounds like, I think better. Mm, okay. The new one sounds like, like a constipated ghost. <laughs> That's very specific. Like, Oh, I think, I think you've been playing dead by daylight just a little too much. <laughs> I don't know what killer that is, but. There yeah, is like a like a haunting spookiness. Yeah, it is. The, it is. And it's yes, it's yes. like what the heck is he doing? Right. Anyways. Right. I thought that was I a worth bringing up too. Um. Then of course Luke loses the only real parents he's he's known and his aunt and uncle Owen and Baru. I always kind of feel bad for. Uh, mm. I mean, both of them, but specifically the relationship between he and Uncle Owen. How it ended. Yeah. Like. 
I'm I'm going off to I'm mad at you, Uncle Owen. And then like right, next yeah. time he sees him, like they've been burnt up. Burnt. Crisp. Yeah. Crisp. Yeah. Yeah. I think and I think the uh with the prequels kind of showing Uncle Owen and, and Peru um that young. And then in Kenobi, right? We saw them in Kenobi as well. Right? That's mm-hmm. where we saw them, right? Yes. Uh, with a with a young Leia, young Luke around. Especially a lot of Uncle Owen and kind of how his disagreements with Obi Wan manifested in that show. Right. So I think, like you know, like kind of what I said earlier, taking that knowledge now and bringing that to this movie, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of even feel more for him. He just like he just wanted to protect them, man. You know, he just wanted to protect his family, his uh, his nephew. As much as he may have just sounded like the the grumpy old uncle, you know, when maybe mm-hmm. when we first saw him, but now with a little bit more context behind it, you're like, oh, well, he's got a point, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, you know, he, he's he's acting more like his father every day, and he's worried about it. Yeah, it's a it's a really sad moment when he sees them. Kind of, you know, mm-hmm. he rushes back after um, you know, Obi Wan's kind of like, wait, it's too. Which, by the way, as I was watching that part, Obi-Wan, who's been sort of responsible for under-the-radar protecting Luke for the past almost 20 years at this mm-hmm. point, like, his home has just been invaded by the Empire. And uh, Luke is, like, rushing headfirst into that danger. And Obi-Wan's only effort to stop him from going to that place is like, wait, no, Luke. Don't go. It's too dangerous. It's too, it's too dangerous. Then he just lets him go. <laughs> like, yeah. what if the stormtroopers were there, Obi Wan? <laughs> Come on, man. What has the last twenty years been for? Right. Um. Then, of course, shortly after that, um, when Luke kind of is assigned to going with Obi Wan at this point because his family is gone, he's like, well, "Okay, I'll go to Alderaan with you." Which, by the way, I think that's also been a moot point for me in this movie is that I always forget that the the goal after R2 meeting with Obi-Wan was for Obi-Wan to meet with Bale on Alderaan. Mm-hmm. Right, yes. Yeah, yeah, I kind of forgot that as well. It's cool like watching this stuff over you know, you know, for a rewatch like this. Mm-hmm. Cuz I'll admit whenever I watch it normally, it's kind of like background music, you know, it's just right. I'm you doing other things. Story, you know what's going to happen. You know the story. Um but like there there are scenes that I'm like I don't remember this being this long. Like I, you know, I'll jump ahead a little bit. Like the the attack on the Death Star. I don't remember it being that there's there being that much dialogue between pilots. There is a pretty significant amount before they start attacking. So, so I think it's just an interesting thing to to really focus in on these rewatches and realizing like, oh, there's like a lot of di- like like all, all like the gold leader the red leader all of them they 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 have like a pretty significant amount of time talking to each other like before they actually attack yeah yeah think about how like the scenes the flight the pilot scenes and some of the recent movies I feel like they're really not that mm-hmm. lengthy and they're definitely right, right. not the focus right and it's too bad because you know they're they are important to the storyline as well a lot mm-hmm. of them obviously don't make it but you know a Jack Porkins now, you know, <laughs> you know Vander, you know, you know, you know the, these people have names, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's just interesting that uh uh to to when you have much more dialogue, obviously, you you 
although it may be short, you you kind of connect with them, especially in in Star Wars. We like to we like to grab onto whatever we can. Yeah. Um, I guess moving from there, you know, it's the point where you know Obi Wan does the old. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Probably like mm. one of the most, arguably like twenty most iconic lines in all of cinema history. Right. Uh, you got to you got to do the hand wave too whenever you Absolutely. tell someone it's not what they're looking for. By the way, there's a point I think before this when Obi Wan, it's when Luke first meets you know meets him and confronts him as Obi Wan rather than Ben. He's like, now that's a name I haven't heard yeah. in a long time, which is funny because now that we've had the last season of Rebels and seen how Darth Maul's life plays out with Obi Wan, oh yeah, yeah, like Maul calls Obi Wan Obi Wan, yeah, yeah, right, and that takes place two years before he before New Hope. Before New Hope, okay. So when he says it, he acts like it's like a long like, time, like twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you don't know how 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 long two years feels like in the sure, desert. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it may just feel like a really two long years time. Still a pretty long time, and never have someone call you by your real name. Right. Yeah. Fair. But um, and then what's the there was another point I wanted to bring up. At some point, Obi Wan also makes a re- a reference. It may have even been after, uh, like the Jawas were mm-hmm. killed by the stormtroopers. I want to say he had a line that's like, "Only Imperial stormtroopers are this precise." Yeah, I'm and like we, that is so ironic. That he said that because yeah, they're yeah. literally known for missing everything they shoot. At. <laughs> yeah, after after yeah, up until that point, they were very accurate. I think, but then we find that they cannot hit the backside of a barn. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then of course, you know, Han Solo comes in and, and Chewbacca and we get the whole, you know, did Han shoot first nonsense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. McClunky. 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 Han <laughs> only shot. Actually, most most diehards will tell you that not only did Han shoot first, you can he's just the take only out, one that shot. He's the only one that shot. <laughs> right, yeah. So it is funny how many different versions of this scene have been kind of done in and out uh, over Just the for years. for like no reason, almost. Yeah, well, I mean, George Lucas's reasoning for the changes was always, um, he had designed Han Solo a lot after John Wayne. Mm. In the sense that he wanted him to be like a redemptive character. Mm-hmm. And, he, and Lucas's reasoning when everyone asks him why he changed this scene is because... He felt like Han shooting Greedo without Greedo yeah. attempting to shoot Han made Han out to be like a worse guy than he wanted him to seem like, mm. which I don't really get personally. I mean, I mean, yeah. I guess I could see why you would think was that. There, but... Was there a focus group or something that said something like, you know what, this Han, I don't know about this character. Bad guy, bad guy, yeah. <laughs> like 20 years later, yeah, I don't think people cared by then. Yeah. Also, I also learned, do you know who Han Solo is largely based off of? No. Francis Ford Coppola. And for those who don't know who that is, he directed the Godfather trilogy. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to the Godfather. I actually uh, watched those movies for the first time recently. They're fantastic films for anyone that's never seen them. Um, But that's also some of the inspiration that George derived from the character, which I didn't know until this rewatch when I was looking up more fun facts. Uh, and then shout out to twelve parsecs as well, a unit of yeah. um, <laughs> unit of distance that Han Solo refers to as time. Time, yeah. Right. 
Uh, oh, and then moving on from there. Well, I guess I also want to mention the Cantina Band. Can't yeah, of course. Cantina Band. Yeah, classic music. Classic, classic music. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I, I guess I, I don't want to like fast forward too through too many points if, no, we're, if we're skipping over anything. Uh, was there anything you wanted to mention before we keep going? No, let's keep going. All right. Okay, so uh, they kind of well, actually, okay, sorry, I thought of something. <laughs> <laughs> the first time we see obi-wan uh with his lightsaber in the cantina yes that's right cut, cut off mm. that dude's arm you're yeah. like oh my gosh you know that's a lightsaber <laughs> that's right. action i want right. to see what the original version of the cantina scene looks like with obi-wan uh oh. cutting that guy's arm off because i think the lightsabers look way better in this movie than they did mm. when they were you know before it was remastered right Which, maybe we can talk about this now maybe we can talk about it in a few minutes but um, the changing and altering of New Hope and just the original trilogies in general, but New Hope is probably the biggest culprit for this, is really a point of contention with a lot of Star Wars yeah. fans that don't really like when these th changes are made. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that there's probably more unnecessary changes than good yeah. ones. But that's not to say that there aren't some that I think were valid good changes. I think the lightsaber is probably the best example yeah. of that. I think the fight scenes just look a lot better when you know the lightsabers have been remastered, uh, illuminated a little the, bit. Yeah, exactly. If you're watching the video version of the podcast, you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But an example of an unnecessary one is kind of what happens next before they take off with Han. Uh, the the job of the hut scene. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't ever remember if this was like excluded and then included and then excluded yeah. and then included. This right. has been in various versions of the movie and then not been in various versions of the mm -hmm. movie. Just this whole scene you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But when the when the scene was originally recorded, it was done with a human actor playing Jabba the Hutt, who in the Star Wars world was also a human. Mm. And so in post-production, George makes this change to make Jabba the Hutt you know, look like what we now know Jabba the Hutt to look like this, like huge, massive slug-like creature. And so they do a, uh, you know, a decent job in post-production of kind of putting him in. And, uh, but, but of course there's only, there's, there's limiting factors back in the eighties and the late seventies when they were working on this stuff. And so there's a scene where Han Solo walks behind Jabba the Hutt, right? Of course, this is no issue you know, when Jabba the Hutt is a human. But because Jabba the Hutt is now a massive slug with a huge tail, the way that the <laughs> CGI experts of their day, I don't even think it would have been called CGI then, but the way the digital film experts of their day adjusted this was they literally, like, cut out Han Solo. They make his body go up, over, and down. <laughs> and if you don't know what scene I'm talking about, you can look it up on YouTube. It's That's too funny. It's one of the poorest attempts at at fixing something like that, but <laughs> we're worth noting that uh doesn't Jabba also kind of give like a like a like a he's jolted a little bit because yeah, he gives like his tail stuff like he makes a noise. His tail just got stepped on, of course. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, worth noting that there are some changes like yeah. the on shot first and the Jabba scene that and some hey. added some added animals as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The added animals. I think this is actually earlier on when the the droids are searching through the mm -hmm. desert. But. Right. 
one one thing that I, I think they really missed on that they really should have updated was like the the com screens and everything on the Death Star or the, yeah, they the Death Star old, plans. They? they just look super old. Update that. That would that would have made sense, and people would be like, "Well, okay, you're on a this fancy spaceship. Of course, you're going to have like the highest technology on there, not like this dot matrix view of the Death Star or whatever." Yeah, I think they could have done a little bit. They could have done that, and people wouldn't have cared at all. It's part of that like Back to the Future era futureness, where it's like, "This is what stuff's going to look like in forty years," right? And then forty years later, you're like, "That looks so dumb." <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that'd be interesting to see. I don't know. I feel like you might get some pushback from that on a lot of like really diehard. Yeah. But I, I don't I don't I wouldn't have an issue with it. Another person in this film we haven't talked about yet is Tarkin, who meanwhile, during this whole thing happening on Tatooine, uh, you know, with Luke and Obi-Wan meeting Han and, and getting ready to take off. Uh, Tarkin is is. Arguably, I actually I don't even know if I'd say arguably. The, probably the most underrated character of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this book, have you read the book? I haven't read I have it. Not. Mm-hmm. I'll be the first to confess I haven't, but this is one that I really do want to read. Um, there is a a renowned great novel. In fact, when when a lot of people talk about Star Wars books, Tarkin is oftentimes like in one of the first three mentioned in terms of being like the best Star Wars book. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. From from everything I've heard about this book, it it, it is really good i i would hope that i can get to it soon it's on my list of things to read my extensive list <laughs> but anyways uh peter cushing obviously the actor who portrays him is kind of from that same cloth as sir alec guinness who plays obi-wan these very uh you know traditional british actors who can't imagine what their reaction was when george talked to them and was like i want you to be in my movie called star wars yeah right they're like they're like these really well-to-do, yeah, you know, wealthy, long-time British actors. Like, what? What the heck is sci-fi, dude? Yeah, <laughs> they took a gamble. Uh, yeah, and it paid off. Although, in latter years after New Hope, Sir Alec Guinness was also like upset with the fact that this was the only thing he was associated with. <laughs> oh no, yeah, but it is what it is. He's again forever memorialized as Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, we also get to see Luke kind of training in the Force for the very first time on the Millennium Falcon. I don't know if I'd say the Force, really, but, I mean, he's using the lightsaber to deflect the mm-hmm. blaster bullets, and Obi-Wan is, you know, like, trying to aid him in this process. This is also where we get the insight into what Han thinks about. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think this is an important scene, too, kind of for this film, but just more so for the trilogy as a whole, because I think it it is the foundation or the ground point for the yeah. like full circle of Han's character. Like you yeah. see where he started as like this smuggler who was only out looking for himself and his, you know, opinions on the force are like, well, that's hokey, hokey religions and ancient is no uh, hokey religions and ancient weapons is no match for a good blaster at your side. Right. I, mean, I hope I didn't butcher that quote, but that's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think this is also an important scene for Han to establish the baseline for sort of who he is and how he's thinking. And I think especially in uh, the end of this movie, you know, when he when he comes back and uh, rescues Luke, ultimately, it's like, yeah. Oh, man, 
he's come a long way even in this movie but especially right. for the trilogy as a whole i would say right uh, and then moving on from there, I'm like trying to go through all my notes that I've made on each of these parts. And I've realized that I've made way too in-depth. <laughs> so I'm trying to like generalize as I go through these things. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Should we skip ahead to the deaths to them being aboard yeah. the Death Star? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. What is your favorite part of them boarding the Death Star? Of being aboard the Death Star? Because I, I always remember the iconic, really funny scene of the Stormtrooper. Not that that's my favorite part, but like bonking his head. Oh, bonking his head. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I specifically remember them like when I, on the original watch, how scared I was when they were in the trash compactor. Um, yeah. And like having that, that creature in there as well and thinking how much it smelled and was dirty and yes. just the, the idea of that, all of that. When I was growing up, I'm like, that is the most wretched and disgusting thing I've ever seen. It's kind of claustrophobic and, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because I mean, they, you know, it's closing up on them and the way Luke is like screaming and just like, oh, this is, you know, I think this is the, the first time you kind of have a, a pretty big sense of fear for for all of them, you know? Yeah. Um. But I mean, I you know the rescue of Leia obviously was in there. Han at the console talking to like the, the other stormtroopers. That's probably think, one of my the my most enjoyable moments in Star yes, Wars is him talking I about that. Totally it is agree. So fun. I was going to say the same thing. That is, I think, the most underrated scene of this movie yeah. because it 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 does what the sequels try to do and oftentimes yeah. don't succeed at is that it, it is funny. But it doesn't feel like it's trying to be funny. Mm -hmm. It's just like it, who the character is. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like Han I almost Solo's felt, like, I almost felt like that, that was ad libbed. <laughs> that, that almost felt like ad libbed. Honestly, it, it may have been. Honestly, I should we yeah. should look that up and see. Yeah, but yeah, That's when he's talking to moments. the, uh, yeah, me too. When he's talking to the guy on the other line, he's like, uh, "How are you? <laughs> how you? Yeah, uh, everything's fine here. Don't worry about it." You know. It is. It's such good use of humor. It, it it is like not forced. It feels yeah. very true and authentic to the character. And then of course he just shoots it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then who who else comes to the rescue for the trash compactor besides our trusty friend R two? Mm -hmm. The uh, the hero of of the whole Skywalker saga. <laughs> some would always. say, always. <laughs> um. And then, of course, this whole time, Obi-Wan is also, like, making his way to confront Vader. Some mm -hmm. would say probably just as much a pinnacle of the movie as the Death Star scene. Mm -hmm. or, you know, the Death Star trench run scene. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about this lightsaber fight? Just honest, honest thoughts. I mean, when I first saw it, I mean, I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Watching it again, they're just, like, real old people swinging around <laughs> some swords you know in comparison to all the fights that we've seen i mean we've seen anakin and obi-wan at their peak in revenge of the sith during their battle on mustafar i think that is you know to to see that and even what we saw in kenobi in the kenobi series mm -hmm. um and now to see this you're just like uh okay i guess this this is how and that's where it feels like very dated you know the choreography the battle choreography wasn't uh huge priority here and you know I, I think it's just and it's fine you know that for me you know i have the nostalgia i have all of that where i, I could be like i could appreciate it for what it was but you know if we're talking about somebody new coming into this they're like what's this this is kind of boring and you know 
Um, mm-hmm. And then he ends up obviously just slicing him <laughs> and him disappearing under his robes. I think that's, you know, you're just like, okay, I guess that's just what happened, you know, to, to him. And then, uh, yeah. So honestly, yeah, not, not a, not a great battle in as far as lightsaber battles are concerned, but I'm okay with it. I I will say the combat itself. I totally agree with you that it is not as engaging maybe as we would like it to be, especially after seeing some of the prequel fights. Mm-hmm. But I think what this battle represents, you know, it's hard to top the empire, you know, fight between Vader mm-hmm. and Luke when he reveals the, the whole father thing. But, um, I think what this represents, it's like a sacrificial archetype for movies, yeah, of course, which I really like. Um, and I, I think it's also the reason that Han's death in episode seven, because episode seven is basically just trying to emulate episode four, that it doesn't work the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it didn't feel like he was sacrificing, sacrificing anything. He was it just killed. Just like, yeah, it was just like Harrison Ford being like, I don't really want to be in Star Wars anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that's why it works in New Hope, where it doesn't yeah. in Force Awakens, is because Obi-Wan, you know, is 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 kind of this symbol for Luke mm-hmm. of a mentor and a teacher. And when he loses that not only is it like a propellant on to want to keep learning as we see in the next movie from, from Yoda, but kind of invigorates him even more after obviously losing his aunt and uncle to be a part of yeah. uh, something even bigger, you know, the, this fight against a tyrannical empire and, and being a part of the rebels and mm. which something we didn't really touch on, which is probably way too broad of a topic to talk about in this podcast, but kind of just George's whole vision with star Wars and how a lot of it is focused on, corruption of power and tyrannical governments yeah. and and heroes being found in sort of you know the small guy and the rebels and and the weaker the side <laughs> yeah exactly but, but hey maybe we can do a whole nother podcast on something like that hmm uh, down notes taken <laughs> what, what do you think was going through anakin's mind in that moment because that's something that i didn't think about when i first hmm. watched the originals and obviously, having seen way more Star Wars now than when I first saw episode four when I was probably, I don't yeah. know, seven or eight. Right. You, you obviously are thinking like, oh my gosh, this guy is fighting his master. Like, we spent so much time with these people in episodes one, two, and three. And now they're you know, trying to, well, probably on the side of Vader, trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what I mean... Especially when he sees that his robe is, you know, his body's not there. Yeah. As Anakin, you got to be thinking, what just happened? (laughs) Yeah, maybe a little anticlimactic for him. You know, Uh just like, wait, he disappeared? Like, wait, is he really dead? Or, you know, I don't think, you know, at that point, Anakin knows Star Wars enough to be like, no one ever really dies, you know, in Star Wars. They always, they'll come back in some some form. Because I don't know if he, is he aware of Force Ghosts at this point? I'm trying to even think. Anakin? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a good question. I mean, Obi-Wan definitely would be. Yeah, because Qui-Gon. Yeah. He had some interactions with Qui-Gon. Right. And canonically, we really 
I mean, I don't know to what extent anyone would know much about it other than Yoda, like during the time mm-hmm. of Revenge of the Sith. And I guess not to go right. into another rabbit hole, but, you know, Yoda figures all this out when he's, this is in the seventh season of the Clone Wars, I want to say, where he's visiting with the, I don't forget what they call them. They've got the little masks and they're all different emotions and he learns how to commune. Mm, that's right. Force. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like canonically, this is something that is relatively recent, like within the past mm-hmm. two decades or so. Right, right. Um, so yeah, this is probably something Anakin is like has no Never idea seen. that even exists. Right, yeah. That I mean, I mean, maybe he just thought, oh, I killed him. I'm done with him. Yeah, right. Yeah. But little did he know Obi Wan would come yeah. back as a Force ghost. <laughs> um. And then, of course, the whole Death Star sequence shortly afterwards uh, is one of the more iconic moments of the film. Red leader, gold leader. What are all mm-hmm. the other colors? Is there a blue leader? No, I think blue leader. Is that from a different Star Wars? I think they were all they all died on Rogue One. The blue, the blue squad. Oh, that's what it is. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I think there, I could be wrong. Gold or is there it is gray a leader? There's gray a gray leader, leader right? Yeah, yeah. There is a scene before they get to the Death Star, though, that I, for some reason, I don't think this is included in every version of New Hope. Mm-hmm. I think it is in the uh, original one, although I could be wrong. Let us know down in the video version of the podcast comments if you know. When he talks with Biggs before taking off. Yes, 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 yes. I'm pretty sure there's versions of the movie that where that didn't exist. Oh, really? I always, I always remember that. Either that or maybe the conversation used to be like way longer and they cut out parts mm-hmm. of it. Interesting. There's, okay. There's something about that scene, which that's another thing that, that was changed um, okay. at some point with one of the special editions. That's the other thing. They've made so many editions that you lose track of. You know what we should do sometime what? is do a uh, reaction to all the, the deleted scenes. That'd be really fun. Yeah. The deleted scenes of every Star Wars movie are, are wild. Mm-hmm. You're like, they were that close to putting that in the movie. Yeah, right. Some of it would change a lot of things pretty drastically. So, um, worth 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 checking out. I would say another note taken. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, so, like, all the squadrons are approaching the the Death Star, and um, uh, is it Captain? There's the D, like Dries. I want to say Dries, Dries. Mm. And orders the squadron to attack. Red squadron is kind of the one that's going in first, and they're sort of diverting attention away. Then Luke makes that run. Can, can we just say like how bad these plan this plan was? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're, yeah. you're 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 sacrificing two of your 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 crew, or whenever they make the attack, two of them are going to go down for sure. Right. Um. With the one, you know, one leaders, you know, they're they're the ones that's going to pull the trigger and do the proton tornadoes. Was it Proton Tornado? Is that what it was? Not Tornado. Uh, uh, torpedoes. Torpedoes. Oh, my God. Tornado. Torpedo. Tornadoes. Um, Fire yeah. the tornadoes. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's Marvel. That's Storm, I think. Um, But yeah, to, to shoot that down, the the two meter. Uh, and I, I, I got to say this, unfortunately. This is this is my least favorite Luke in this in this uh, episode. Oh, in um, what way? Just because like going into kind of like you know because he kind of starts out as a, kind of like a little punk you know like 
talking back to his uncle and you know and now he's now he's upset that you know obviously you know if he's upset you know that he's lost his family and all that but but just he just seemed kind of like oh kind of oh come on guys very like um what's that ezra very ezra like Mm. you know you're just like oh come on now guys and you know why don't you you we should do this and i'm just like oh my gosh like because you know and i understand that's part of his arc you know by the end of return of the jedi that's peak luke obviously right Mm-hmm. But always the New Hope Luke, I'm just like, oh, how did this guy for because he he was somehow recruited into you know into the into the X Wings here and to also be the one to take the shot. How is he the one that's gonna take the shot? They just got him. You know, you're gonna tell me that he was the one to do it. And you know, so there's a lot of just like how how did that happen? How, who made that choice? I mean, I get it; it's part of the the story, whatever. But logically speaking, Wedge should have taken the the shot. He should have been the one, you know. Even Biggs, he'd been there even longer. This guy was trying to get; he wasn't even in the academy, you know. And all of a sudden, to to be the one to to take the shot, I just seen that. I just thought that I was. That's that's one thing that I would always question. Like, well, how did like you know he just joined? He was the rookie. This is like telling your rookie. To, to j- jump in and take the NBA, you know, the the last shot in the NBA Finals. You know, that's kind of how I feel about that. But obviously, you know, that's the, the story is around him, so you're gonna you're gonna have it all on him. But just didn't make sense from like a logical standpoint. Yeah, I was looking up as as you're talking, kind of all the designations within the Red Squadron, and technically Luke would be like fifth in command because he's Red Five. Right there, you go. Which you know. Effectively, which also a means he outranks Porkins, uh, oh. R.I.P. R- R- Porkins. Um, was he red six? He's red six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then also means like at some point nominally he becomes the leader of Red Squadron, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because they wouldn't got taken out essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like kind of just all on his lonesome at this certain point, and uh, right, right. It's up to him. I- just a, just a just a thought. I mean, yeah, I've I've always thought that you know, and you know, yelling about power converters, and I just want to go into Tashi Station. You know, I'm just like, oh, this kid, bro. You know, <laughs> I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but uh, but you know, and to to have him, obviously, you know, like I said, this is his story, and this is this is kind of what you have to deal with, and I think. This is the same feeling a lot of people had about Ray, you know, going, you know, we're going to talk about the parallels with, you know, the sequels about how she just had all these powers and all of a sudden, you know, there's no explanation. I, I feel it's the same type of storyline that we're saying, you know, like how did, how did, how did he get, how did he get the opportunity to do all of this in the first place when he hadn't proven anything, you know? Honestly, that is such a, a fair criticism and something that I've never heard before until this moment. I mean, I mean, that is, that is a fair point. I mean, I think it's something that a lot of the fans of the original trilogy probably have to, I mean, you could say they're like, I think the response to that now that I've had a chance to think about it is probably just bloodline. And it's just like a part of who he is. Like he's a Skywalker. He's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, but she's a Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, like, again, a lot of the criticism of Ray is that she just, like, picked up these, you know, the ability to do all this stuff overnight. You know, I guess a part of that also is that Luke did have Obi-Wan with him. For, what for, like, a, for like a day. 
<laughs> True. Uh, yeah, I'm curious of what the the actual timeline. It, it's it's it was Listen, literally. Star Wars movies can only be two hours long, Joey. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, but I, just... it is a fair criticism that I think yeah. Ray gets a lot of hate for being able to have like learned this stuff very quickly. But like Luke went from picking up ta- uh, picking up power converters at Tashi Station to a week later blowing up the Death Star. <laughs> with the help of a force ghost yeah. named and, Obi-Wan. And, and here's the thing like I can get I can get over the fact that that's that's what that's what happened to him in this one movie. I'm fine with it and I let it go. There are people that still don't let go of the race stuff, you know, so you know, I I just think that it's we we have to remember this is for entertainment, this is for the enjoyment of all of us. Let's just pump the brakes a little bit. You know, let's just enjoy the ride and have some fun with it. That's that's kind of my my hot take of all of this man i don't even i don't even know who i am anymore i'm like out here defending episode seven <laughs> we're, we're learning we're learning we're learning yeah yeah <laughs> um of course the the great part of this whole scene is uh before luke you know has the opportunity to to use the force and and shoot the uh I don't know, the proton torpedoes down the, the convenient hole left in the middle of the Death Star. Uh, Darth Vader is about to get him, and then, of course, Millennium Falcon comes out of nowhere, saves the day. Han is, uh, you know, effectively the hero of this situation. Which, by the way, side note, have you seen the, the Family Guy versions of the Star Wars? I, I have. I, it's, been, it's been a while, but yeah, the I have. Blue Harvest. Part of the, be- <laughs> the best part of Blue Harvest is when they finish constructing the Death Star and then Stewie, who plays Darth Vader in this movie, is like, it's evil, it's perfect. I don't know what he's saying, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, what? What's that? <laughs> and then, the, like, the clone engineer he's talking to, he's like, what? He's like, what's that? What's that hole? He's like, oh, <laughs> that? Oh, nothing. It, that won't, you know, nothing will happen with that. You know, like, <laughs> they're, they're, like, playing it off, like, but it's a fair point, like, what is the what is the design in having a hole that if you shoot a proton torpedo down it right, yeah. explode the entire thing? Well well much much love to Galen Urso for designing it with that with that little little yeah, true. Uh, exploit. True, true, true. Very true. Uh and then I don't know if we want to skip forward to the end, but we gotta yeah. say uh you know, Chewy not getting Chewy again with the metal. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say that there is a there was a comic book that addressed that where he actually did get the medal, but he oh, really? gave it but he gave it to some some child and I can't remember why. I want to say that there there is an explanation somewhere for that that he actually did get one, but he uh, ended up giving it to somebody else. We also up, uh, we also lose Tarkin at the end of this episode too. Yes. Which is funny because as a kid and watching all of the original films, I don't know why, but probably like from the age of eight to the age of 16, in my mind, Tarkin was just always around for all three mm, movies. Yeah. Definitely not the case. <laughs> it's weird though, because that's how powerful that role was, I guess. Because I kind of yeah. had that same feel where he was just kind of around, maybe not in the movies, but, but yeah, no, he didn't make it out of the... Uh, out of the star obviously but it's just uh yeah that's that's how powerful he did 
uh, he that role was in the first film. Mm-hmm. So the award ceremony happens <laughs> for the rebels. They all get their medals minus Chewy. Great fanfare, uh, by the way. Great music. Oh yeah, that's one of the, I, one of the uh, of the classic John Williams songs right there. Uh, in terms of the movie as a whole, I guess I guess we've gone into kind of some maybe more detail than we anticipated going into. Shocking. Shocking, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the movie as a whole, as pro- as producer Gibbo reminds us, we're already seventy minutes in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the movie as a whole, though, I I still enjoy this one so much every time I see it. Uh, it has lots of classic tropes, some of which I, I've already talked about, like you know the sacrificial piece with Obi Wan and kind of the rugged yep. uh, or the scruffy rogue with with Han Solo and. And the transformational beginning of a journey for Luke, and uh, you know, and we so, didn't re- really get into like Leia's role. I mean, how that's true, how yeah. Huge, how huge her role was in it, um, kind of being that strong, strong female character. And I don't, you know, I don't remember films that much back then, obviously. But to have somebody in such a high power, you know, high ranking power mm-hmm. as a Princess Leia, um, and kind of just brought, you know giving the orders, you know, and there were a lot of times where Han didn't want to. Wanted to back, didn't back down on her, but still she was just like, no, you got to listen to what I'm saying here, you know. So I think mm-hmm. having her, I think you know, arguably is probably you know, probably not arguably, she was my favorite character out of out of this. Um, followed by Han and then Luke, because <laughs> as you know, I didn't like Luke too much here. But I think uh, just just the dynamic between um, uh, Leia and Han, I think that I think I enjoy that more than anything with Luke's like growth at this point but i obviously that changes going throughout the rest of the trilogy so it's not often that the main character of a movie would be the least favorite that's interesting <laughs> isn't it though yeah i mean it's it's parallel to to the sequels too that's what's that's what's interesting as well yeah yeah i guess that's true that's um me. i like Ray. <laughs> i uh I think if oh man, I just feel like I, I if anything I don't think Leia gets enough time in this film. Sure, which is why I think oftentimes when people think about Episode Four, you know, there's obviously a lot of Luke and and there's I think there's probably a decent amount more Han than Leia. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, just, just in terms of airtime alone or screen time, I guess I should say, but. Yeah, you're right. She's a very central figure for many of their favorite Star Wars character, not only in this movie, but just yeah. you know, in, in general. She was kind of more than just a character in the movie. It was like a cultural yeah. icon. Like Absolutely. This is an example of one of the first like really powerful female characters in cinema. Uh, and so I think a lot of people gravitated towards that. And I think it really spawned a generation of, of having mm-hmm. similar uh, really powerful women in, in films so uh we should Thanks also carry yeah i was gonna say should also say shout out carrie fisher and uh one of one of the members of the star wars community that we uh still miss to this day but are forever grateful for the lasting impact she's made upon the 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 movies and and just star wars as a whole so um yeah princess leia it's I, I would not be too far from your opinion as as that being. I think I would probably I like the character progression of Han the most in this movie, so I, I would sure. probably say him. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I gotta ask you a question about Han real quick before we we, we close this up. Yeah, yeah. What's when up? he when he says when when he originally says well, that he's not going to join the fleet and go, you know, uh, he's going to take his money and go with Chewie. Mm-hmm. Um, right at the very end, the last thing he says to Luke is, "May the Force be with you." Mm-hmm. Was that genuine, or was that like, or was I've always he kind of, it as genuine? I don't know. Like when I watched it, I'm like, I think you think he was being sarcastic. <laughs> I think I think there could have been a little bit of sarcasm because up until that point, he has shown no reason I mean, to like have any belief in in that. Because when you're saying that, I know it's kind of like a general thing that people mm-hmm. just kind of say to each other there at this point. But the way he, to me, the way he delivers it, he kind of has this like this grin where he just like, hey. Force be with you, you know, like just you know, like I yeah. know this means more to you than me, no, no, but I'll I, say it to you, right? And you know, I get what you're saying totally. I I compare it to something like, um, I guess to put it into a real world example, if you had like a person of a specific religious belief, mm-hmm. and then someone who had no specific religious belief, it would be like the person with no rig- religious spe- specific religious belief saying something in line with the person who had the religious belief to not necessarily that they fully believe the thing that look look at this picture this is exactly the we're talking about (laughs) like not not necessarily that they hold that same religious belief right yeah they understand the impact of that thing they're doing or what they're saying to the person who does hold the religious belief so I understand. I, I don't think it's that he is being sarcastic or even that he really believes what he's saying yet. Right. Yeah. More so that he just understands the impact that the, his words will have on Luke. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, I guess I I guess what I'm really saying, maybe not sarcasm, but more just like was he fully genuine in what he was saying? Sure, you know, was, yeah. he, was he I, really like buying it? Was he really buying into it? I don't I I'm maybe I'm a little more cynical, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch that. See, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Um well clearly we breaking down an entire film, there's probably points that we uh glanced over or missed or something we didn't talk about that perhaps you wanted us to touch on. So if that's the case, uh be sure to let us know over uh either on Twitter or down in the YouTube comments. But any last thoughts on uh new hope before we kind of head towards wrapping things up here and then we've got a fun announcement as well yeah i I mean i fully enjoyed this rewatch knowing what we know now from all the content that we've had up until up since you know up until today you know with with rebels with you know bad batch with you know everything that we've learned up until this point uh it just makes the any star wars rewatch kind of more exciting more fun because you you could you could take things from what you've learned since then and put them right into the Star Wars movie here. So I, it was just a good time. Yeah. This episode has really reminded me a lot of kind of the origin of this podcast, which was mm-hmm. literally just me and Joey being in a Discord call and just like understanding that we both like Star Wars and just talking about Star Wars for a long time. Yep. That's what this, I mean, obviously, because we're going over the most, you know, classic iteration of Star Wars there is today. Yes. Uh, but yeah, this is a very much a, a throwback. A long time producer give us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. This is true. Which also is perhaps our cue to maybe start heading uh <laughs> out of this podcast episode. Before we do that though, <laughs> uh 
Uh, next week's episode is going to be a fun one and uh, going to take a little break from some of the reviewing and breakdowns of uh, various shows and movies we've done recently and kind of hop into the trivia gear of things. So next week podcast is going to be entirely Star Wars trivia. It's going to be a really fun one. Uh, I, I'm excited. I think I bring up some form of trivia almost in every podcast we do. You do. You do. Uh, <laughs> which... By the way, what was Luke Skywalker's uh, name before it was changed to Luke Skywalker? Was it Star Killer? Star? Indeed, it was something? Luke yeah, Star Killer. Yes. Mm. One point, Gibble. Mark One... it down. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I got extra credit. All fun kinds of questions are going to be coming next week, like that one and many, many more. Uh, Gibbo, producer Gibbo, is going to be putting together the, uh, the the quiz for Joey and I. So, if you're interested in Doing some Star Wars trivia with us next week. That will be available in next week's podcast episode. As always, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Hoth Hangout podcast. You can check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Or if you want to watch the video version of the podcast, we're over on YouTube at Hoth Hangout. Check us out over there. We also do some reaction videos over on YouTube here and there that don't get uploaded as audio versions. uh, If you're an audio only listener. So if you're interested in that, of course, those reactions, uh, probably the next one we'll do is Ahsoka, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. There's not necessarily something coming out between now and then, but um, those are available on YouTube, including some older ones to Andor and uh, Rebels, not Rebels. Yeah, what Bad are we watching, Joey? Bad, Bad Batch. Batch. Andor, Bad Batch, uh, Mandalorian Season 3, including that as well. So check those out if you're interested. Also, we are at Hoth Hangout on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, if you like behind-the-scenes stuff, Instagram, I think, is going to kind of become our place for that. We're going to post some photos of, you know, before the recording episodes and stuff like that. So uh, check out those. Links will be available down in the descriptions of either the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, the video version of the podcast. Feel free to check those out as well. It's been a fun one. We are about 80 minutes in. So uh, our initial effort to go under an hour has failed once again. At some point, we (laughs) may hit our goals. But uh, until then, Joey, any closing thoughts before we head out? He just wanted some power converters. He he should have just got them. (laughs) Should have just got them. We should rename our podcast Tashi Station. (laughs) Yeah. There's got to be one out there already. I bet you there is. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Thanks so much. As always, we appreciate each and every single one of you listening to the Hoth Hangout podcast. Hope you've enjoyed this one. We'll catch you in next week's trivia episode. And for Joey and Gibbo, may the force be with you.